Hello and welcome to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're recording this on Sunday morning, July 17th, 2022, and I'm Larry Rhodes or Doubter 5. And as usual, we have our co-host, Wombat, on the line with us. Hello, Wombat. Aim for the eyes. I'm the Wombat. Uh, or the head, just generally. <laughs> and our guests today are Dread Pirate Higgs. Hello. Welcome. Ahoy. Uh, Sky from Texas. Welcome. Greetings. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you're the only non-believer in your town, well, you're just not. Uh, in Knoxville, the middle of the Bible Belt, we have a group of over a thousand of us. And we'll tell you more about that group after the mid-show break. Wombat, what's our topic today? Narrative versus evidence. Dun, dun, in, the greatest, <laughs> in the greatest combat since all time, they should make a movie out of it. In fact, we're going to be talking about that today. But that is what I'd like to call the main dish. Let's have a nice little appetizer of pasta led by our own uh, Dread Pirate Higgs for our weekly invocation. Go for it. Roman. Roman. Our noodly lord who art in a colander. Al Dante be thy noodles. Thy blood be rum, thy sauce be yum, with meat as it is with vegetables. Give us this day our garlic bread, and forgive mm. us our cussing, as we forgive those who cuss against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some garlic bread. Nice. For thine are the meatballs, and the sauces, and the grog, whenever and ever. I think there's a really good joke on the internet. It's like, hey, have you heard about the good news? He's like, yeah, garlic bread. It's free. It's it's really great, isn't it? It's, it's, mm. it's right there for you. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about narrative versus evidence and how it relates to the movie industry, particularly is, re- is religion or how do I put it? Are the movie industry implicated in the persistence of religion? And does or superstitious thoughts and, and superstitious se. thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I guess it would be important for us to one catch up, see how we've been over the last week two get our definitions in order. And then three really delve into this topic as best as we can. So we're going to do what I like to do. A nice little recap. Joe, Joe Sky, how you been? Good to catch up with you. How you been? I've been good. I've been working a lot. Uh I have a new project that I'm investigating doing. I'm thinking about uh, writing a little little book uh, on what I call the dialogue, uh, believers and unbelievers talking in a non a non confrontational way. Nice, cool. I dig that. We need it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think dialogues like that are always really wonderful to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got caught in that rabbit hole, but it is a, it is a fun thing to come back to every now and then. Dread Pirate, how you been? How is I've the been, uh, I've chaos? I've been really good. 
I uh, was just out in the shop this morning, actually. And I don't okay. know if you can see this here. This is a, Ooh. An, egg it's an egg cup I made out of a walnut. Oh, and you can cool. see the inlay there. Yeah. It's actually made with eggshells. Wow. Really? Can yeah. you put it up with a camera? Can, is it like chopped eggshells or is it like a single shell? Like how is it powder? Like what am I, what's that white part? The white part, the white part at the very top. The inlay. Yeah, that's uh, turn this side. Um, eggshell. Okay, pieces of eggshell. Yeah, yeah, ground up eggshell that I put in a blender. Okay. 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 Nice. Very cool. And then I used a guitar string to burn that mark there. I think it was a an E string. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Nice work. Oh, it's really really nice. Yeah. Thank Very you. cool. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a cup for an egg basically, right? Or am I missing? It is a cup and you it also doubles as a uh, shot glass, right? So Nice. You know. After you've had enough boiled eggs, you can down a shot of whiskey or scotch or have a scotch egg. And that's breakfast. And that's, that's breakfast of champions. Breakfast. <laughs> Larry, how you been? It's good to catch up with you too. Oh, fine. I haven't got my motorcycle out this week and I feel guilty about that, but I need to. Um, my, my, my nephew is up visiting us, so, so that's really nice. nice. Uh, he's sitting off screen monitoring what I say because he can't hear anything else. But uh, it's always good to see him. Nice. Um, um, working. Yeah, it's boring. And uh, I've been getting into chess more and more, uh, doing Ooh. playing on, online against bots and doing chess puzzles. So okay. that's a lot of fun. You know, I can tell you, for as many video games as you play, I think you could find more riveting experiences in terms of gameplay than chess. I'm, I'm calling some shots out. I feel like chess... Oh, we've been, my, my nephew has a quest, too, so and when he's nice. here, you know, we, we're, we're loading up the chess, the quest 2s and playing a lot of shoot-em-ups. And, and nice. Some golf nice. Too. Okay, so you got the whole spread. Sure. I like sure. it. I like a man of variety. Uh, for me... Uh, I'm going to bring up a little story. I had some hard times this week and I want to, it reminded me of a parable and the parable went one day, a man was drowning and a boat <laughs> came by and asked the man, do you need help? And the man said, no, thank you. God will save me. And then another boat came by and asked the man, do you need help? And the man said, no, thank you. God will save me. And then the man drowned and died. And he went to heaven. He asked God, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, because I like drowning people. I like drowning people. <laughs> Haven't you read my book? <laughs> that's not, the, that's not the fun slide I was waiting for. <laughs> Amen. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about narrative versus evidence, which I feel is a really interesting topic brought to us by our own John Richards. Uh, he'll probably be joining us later on today. But I want to talk about what we mean by these words. What do we mean by narrative and what do we mean by evidence? And before we start blaming the movie industry for anything, let's try to get those out of the way. And I'll throw out my two uh, examples, evidence and narrative. If I was trying to define those two, I find narrative to just be sort of like uh, a story in, in it's a series of claims to support a, a, a story, right? Whereas mm -hmm. evidence is a series of claims that can be uh, presented to support like something that happened in reality. So a narrative is supporting a story. Evidence is supporting what I feel is a case to be made of, for something that may have happened in reality or not. Oh, well, we maybe would that's also, a bit too abstract. What do you think? 
Well, I think we would also say that evidence would have to be uh, testable. It'd have to okay, be testable from, from any perspective. Basically, any, anybody doing the same experiment would get the same results. Mm. And uh, as far as narrative, um, it's, you know, anecdotal evidence is, is a mainstay of, of most religions. Um, you know, people tell them uh, just so stories about this or that and, and to help uh, bolster their belief. And if you think about it, uh, the Bible is just full of anecdotal uh, stories that present uh, situations where it would bolster your, your belief. Hmm. Dred, what do you think? Um, I would characterize it this way, that uh, evidence, um, the, uh, so the narrative starts with the conclusion, whereas evidence supports a conclusion. That makes sense. Evidence supports a conclusion. Wait, wait more time. What would be the narrative then? So a narrative begins with a conclusion. So a person writing a book knows how it's going to end. So a narrative tells a linear tale um, in support with, of that. with the end already figured out. Mm. Uh, so all the all the events that happen essentially conspire um, to deliver the the conclusion. Right. Whereas evidence supports a conclusion that's only determined after sufficient evidence has been pulled together to uh, support a hypothesis, I guess, uh, is a better way of characterizing it. Makes sense. Okay. You know, another thing I might throw out is if you're like George R.R. R. Martin, uh, not to call more shots, or if you're a bad writer, typically you write without re- understanding what the conclusion is going to go. And so it ends up uh, just a meandering story, right? But I do say that narratives are built with an agenda in mind, right? Yeah. Like there is a underlying... There is an underlying desire when you're making a narrative, ideally to like sell an idea or to make money or to have something that is beyond just the story itself. Whereas evidence, I feel, is solely for the 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 purpose of demonstrating uh, a fact of reality or or making a point. But there's no other greater agenda behind it. Like for example, I can find a, evidence for climate change, and I can also tell you in a narrative sense that we're going to live forever, right? And my agenda for living forever is like, hey, I want people to feel good and listen to me and make profit. Whereas evidence might support something that I totally don't want to happen. Like, I don't want this world to be like, you know, frying apart. And it is a scary thing to think about. So like evidence very much doesn't care about my concerns, my agenda. But narratives are almost fine tuned to tell the best story. Well, the, that it, by, can. Yeah, yeah. Almost by definition, they are. Hmm. Uh, narratives are created by agents, right? There it is. There's yes, there's yeah. uh, mm-hmm. there's a de- additional agency in a narrative compared to evidence. Right. I think that's that's probably the one of the best ways to put it. Sky, do you want to weigh on this? Do you have a well, difference between narrative and evidence? Um, as a writer, I would simply say that narrative is the art of telling the story. Mm. It's, it's more than just the content. It's the presentation. There are good storytellers and there are awful storytellers. Uh, as far as evidence, I don't think I could do better than what Dredd said. It's a tool. It's essentially just a tool. That's it. Uh, it's not so much telling a story. It's trying to figure out the world around you. It's the things that we can build to tell the world around us. So then we see when we look at a movie, this 
or particularly fiction, works of fiction, right? Um, this, this clear and compelling desire by people to watch and be entertained uh, in a narrative sense, even if it means they have to forego their grip on reality. In fact, there's a concept when you watch a movie called suspension of, of, of belief, right? Oh, suspension uh-huh. of disbelief. Of disbelief? Okay, right. suspension yes. of disbelief. That makes more sense, yeah? And it's, sim- it's simply put, uh, I am willing to be fooled if you can enter me. Yes, there's yeah. Well, And there are we're people who are very, very... Stray audio in there. Yeah, I fixed I'm it. Willing to, I'm willing to be fooled if you can entertain me. And I, it's, it's both a fun thing to do if you can control it, so that way you can enjoy like a good narrative. But I also feel like it might be difficult for certain people to turn off so that when they walk out of a movie theater, they're like, yeah, but the force could actually be something that exists if there's a multiverse. And if the multiverse exists, there must be a world where there is an Iron Man. And maybe I can blink my eyes twice and, and then no Kung Fu in some weird, strange capability universe. Uh-huh. I feel like I feel like that's where we start to get into these strange uh, conditions where we may not be employing critical thinking in a capacity where we could. Um, what do you guys think? Larry, do you think I'll, I'll throw the question at you first. Do you think then that movies can be implicated for the persistence of religious thinking? Oh, of course. And in particular, the religious movies, um, mm. you know, the, all the, <clears throat> what do you call it? The 10 commandments, the, uh, greatest story ever told that kind yeah, of thing. Uh, uh, all of that stuff, but in particular, the ones that really grab you, like, uh, the exorcist, and scare the heck out of you, you know, drive these fears home. Uh, my my older brother, Steve, uh, said that he went home after seeing the exodus, exodus and started reading the Bible again. And I uh, started praying a lot more because of that. Wow. So it reinforced his beliefs, okay. even though it was okay. just a movie. Okay, that's in- that's an interesting take. Um, if you were to ask me, and I, and I like it because I definitely see all the examples you bring in. Definitely, no doubt, more people watching The Passion of the Christ. I remember that when, uh-huh. when I was in high school. And it's inspired a lot of people to be like, yep, that's how it happened. And I'm like, there weren't, I, don't even know, I don't even know if there was a single Jewish person in that whole movie. <laughs> Just oh. white people beating on mm-hmm. other white people the whole way, like bleached hair and like abs everywhere. I'm just like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, uh, you know, you got to have a mental image of something, but. Uh, not a lot of black people from Mesopotamia, Africa, just saying, but, uh, I, I, I am saying also, I think like, um, I feel like movies prey on our ability to want to have a belief and, and confirm beliefs that we have that we're yeah. looking for evidence for. And movies are a poor substitute for that. And I feel like, yeah, they can persist it, but I also feel like if it wasn't movies, it'd be something else. And as demonstrated by the fact that religions, those same ideas persisted even before movies existed in the first place. Um, but yeah, can it help? I, I, I definitely say, yeah, it, I wouldn't say it's culpable. I just feel like it's, it's there and, and something else would easily replace it if it wasn't dread. What do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know about something else having to be there. Um, you know, again, again, just pointing back to statistics of, uh, religiosity uh, you know mm. people are moving away from it so it's not like um there's a default position where people need to believe in strange and unjustified um things um maybe it's you know it's a shift but uh i don't know that it it's just 
being re- replacing one thing with another. Okay. Okay. I like it. So how about this then? I'll throw out before we had movies, we had folklore. And, and when we had folklore, we had epics and we had stories where that we passed on from generations about the Odyssey or like Achilles or like great wars that were only from the perspective of the winners. That Gilgamesh. Had, yeah. Right. 300 like things that aggrandize ourselves of like oh we are big and powerful when in reality it was just you know maybe the other side got sick and got completely stomped or they didn't show up to the battlefield but they made an agreement of like you know what we're gonna say we we beat off fourteen thousand people with only three guys um i feel like we do the same thing with legends you know johnny appleseed uh what happened at the alamo davy crockett we samson and the jawbones (laughs) yeah we we take figures from our history we remove all the bad aspects of them and only try to remember the good uh george washington we don't talk about the fact that he slave traded our own people like like we just say oh no that was a great leader who wanted all the ideals for america despite that he probably didn't want women to vote only wanted white people with land to have any power in this country and and a whole bunch of other terrible stuff show him with like powdered wigs even though he's like in the middle of the delaware like in this really ornate suit like he probably didn't look like that if he did do that in the first place but if it wasn't i was just going to say i read recently that george washington was actually an inveterate liar (laughs) the story about i cannot tell a lie is a story yeah yeah of course i would like quality you want a leader to have. I also feel like we will say stories like Benjamin Franklin flying a kite in the middle of the storm and discovering electricity because he got zapped by lightning. Like that would kill mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. can, a key isn't enough to stop a lightning bolt, but we believe it even until the point where like we're in adults and it takes effort to like lose that. And so when I say like when a movie supports that, yeah, that sort of thinking is supported with a movie. But if you took movies out, we would still have a lot of other kinds of narratives that we're holding on to. It's human nature. Yeah. yeah, That aren't evidentially based. I feel like it's a human nature thing to grab onto stuff like that, particularly in this environment. That's what I mean by that. Dread, do you think like, am I getting closer to a mark? Is it sound more compelling to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm a bit, I'm sorry. I'm just a little distracted because my, uh, my frames, uh, my frame rate skipping and uh, acting up. So, hey, you're com- you're looking good. What I'm basically saying is, humans have cultivated an environment where there are a lot of narrative-based stories that are easily mistaken for evidence. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, if you take out movies, there's going to be so many other crocodiles in the river, if you if you will. That it's like you just took out one grain of sand out of a beach of bad narrative-based. It disguises for poor evidence that mm-hmm. people can go through. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree um, that uh, you know human it's human nature to we're, we're storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that we have to. Um, I mean, it's a it's a matter of diligence to discern uh, between evidence and narrative, and not conflate the two as they are so often done. Right. Okay. And, and because of that, that's why I'm not blaming movies for the persistence of religion. What I'm saying is I can watch a movie and if I'm told that, hey, this is a work of fiction, have, have fun. And, you know, when the movie's over, that's when the story ends. Like, that's up to me to, like, know that when I go into a movie, you know? Yeah. And, well, 
that's it. I mean, that's what I was saying last week is that, you know, as a as a former student graduate of the Vancouver Film School, it kind of ruined me for movies because the suspension of disbelief is not easily accomplished anymore simply because I know how it's done. It's all sets and lights and special sure. effects and and, uh, you know, Gollum's a guy with a suit and the little tags all over him and he's jumping around. And, <laughs> and then all the expressions and stuff are, you know, kind of infilled or backfilled, you know, after the fact. Right. So, um, you know, it's 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 entertaining to to initially. But then once I get over the fact that this is how it was all put together, it's like, yeah, it's a, just a big chase story. You know, that's what the Lord of the Rings turned to be uh, turned out for me. You know, six sure. hours of people getting chased across, you know, the world with a ring, you know. <laughs> Great, Dred. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, but even with the suspension of disbelief, I've always appreciated movies for the underlying story that's, that they tell about the human condition. Like, I, uh, I recently just saw a really great movie called Everything Everywhere and All at Once. Yeah, I heard, and, about it. I heard it was good. And it is. It is so good, but it's not about it's a multiverse movie, but it's not about like jumping across universes. It's about a relationship between a mother and her family. Right. And like how distant they become and what she's trying to do to pull it back together. And I really deeply empathize with that. When I was done with that movie, I called my mom and just like, hey, mom, I love you. Like stuff like that makes me feel good, whether I know how the movie worked or how I didn't, because I recognize most of the actors in that. I was just like, oh, I know that guy from there. He's on YouTube and stuff like that. But it's not about that. It's about the story that you can tell about the human condition. And I feel like if you're watching Twilight Zone or if you're watching any of the movies that do come out, that's what I enjoy out of the movies. Like I can suspend the disbelief to a degree. Dread, I'm in the same thing boat as you. Bad CGI is bad CGI. Bad effects are bad effects. But it's really about what is the writer trying to tell me as a parable for like humanity. And that's the stuff that speaks to me the most. And mm. I can walk out of the movie with that as sort of like the most evidence for like yeah. how we interact with and, people. And I'd like to make a point that these things, if it carries a good message, a good mon- uh, moral or whatever, uh, it doesn't matter whether the story is true or not. A parable can there do you that. Go. But yes. at the same time, if you try to pass off a parable as as true fact, then you start getting into trouble and people find out it's not fact. They, they question the, the parable and the moral. Right. You know, it makes you a, a liar and a fraud when you try to pass off a narrative as evidence. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think, Oh, go for it. Go for it. Jeff. I was just going to say that uh, not, you know, not all stories with a moral um, are, like not all messages are good. So there you go. A, a poor message could be told very, very well. And that oh. I think is what I'm getting to when I say that movies perpetuate uh, religious belief, because um, you can dress something up, you can dress a donkey up to look like a stallion, but it's still a donkey, right? <laughs> <laughs> and how many how many ghost movies are there out there? Exactly, right? It's perpetuating this dis- perpetuate religion, but in- they perpetuate the relief the yeah. the belief in afterlife and yeah. and continuing I, on after death. And and, and want- those are the good good feel stories like ghost mm-hmm. or you know things like that where you know the, at the end when he's resolved the conflicts in the in the storyline he 
finally goes to see the light and everyone's happy that he's lifted up into heaven and right, right. you know it's crazy so you you guys are tapping onto something i definitely want to go into more in the second half but i also feel like larry you made a really good point where the story can be true or not true it's the it's the morals that we should be looking at and and those are the most useful things like that can be used as places of evidence for how people thought how systems work or what morals they thought were important back in the day. And when I look at the Bible, I see nothing but fantastical stories that have very useless morals because all the morals in the Bible are obey God. That's it. They yeah. like the, 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 the garden of Eden, Noah's tell like yeah. God came and destroyed all the people on the planet, but he saved one couple of people because those are the people that were that he deemed to be the good most people to follow his commands. But I'm like, what's the moral of the story? Oh, the moral is listen to God. What am I supposed to get out of that? There's no, there's no value. Obedience is not morality. Obedience is, is, is just this terrifying thing that you must maintain under threat of drowning to death. Like the guy in that boat story. It's the, the, the fact of the matter is, is if you don't have a useful moral, it doesn't matter how incredible the story is. doesn't matter how powerful the characters are in the story. You basically have what I find to be a useless narrative because I don't care about the dressings, as Larry is putting it. I don't care if the storytelling is true or not. I'm trying to figure out what's useful from the, the overall message that the writer is giving me. And if the message is just worship God, I don't I'm not you haven't made a good case for it. And I can just move forward with that. Whereas Dread, you make a really good point that I like to follow up in that the, you can dress up really, really bad morals in really nice storytelling ways with like great effects and great actors and stuff like that. But the message is still terrible. So like you need to have a good message first, build your narrative around that. And mm-hmm. then that's, that's, that's the best way to maintain what I find to be right. like a really good story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and this would be a good spot to take a break. Let's Stay tuned for the second half of the digital free thought radio hour on WOZO radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We'll be right back after this short break. I am I myself alone. Realize I never need to use no one when it comes down to my soul. Freedom puts my faith in none of the above.
Welcome back to the second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour and WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just take a moment just to talk about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002. We're in our 20th year now and have over a thousand members. Uh, we do have weekly in-person meetings in Knoxville's old city at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria. Look for us inside at the high top table or if it's pretty weather outside on the deck. Um, we also have Tuesday evening Zoom meetings in case you can't make it to Knoxville or you just don't want to get out. Uh, if you'd like to join us, email us for a link at askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org or letschatse at gmail.com. You can find us online at Facebook, meetup.com, or go to the website at knoxvilleatheist.org or just Google Knoxville Atheist. It's just that simple. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you can still go to Meetup and do a search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start, Start one. one. Start one. Where do you want to pick up? I always forget if it's don't find one or can't find one or you may not find one. And there are different signs in ASL. So I always oh. have to like be on my toes for that. Yeah. But uh, today we're going to be talking about narrative versus evidence. And we just did a whole spiel on what we think narrative and evidences are. We think narrative is the art of storytelling, whereas evidence is a tool to support uh, claims for that are testable and can be used to help us under, better understand reality. And while narrative typically has an agency behind it, evidences tend to be far more neutral in what they try to present. And so it's very important for us to be able to distinguish the difference between a narrative versus evidence, because in movies, those are largely narrative-based. And there are a series of claims that are very well produced and presented to us in this spectacular fashion that where if we don't remember that we're looking at a narrative, we can use those, you know, films or studies to as evidences and as a bad in, 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 the, in the way of a bad methodology to support uh, terribly produced messages or terribly produced claims. And so in that same light, we're talking about um, sugarcoating bad messages with appealing narratives and dread pirate you're talking about how that happens in more ways than one did you mm -hmm. have examples mm -hmm. what do you mean by you know you can hide a really bad message with a good narrative well i mean there's any number of uh movies out there mm -hmm. that uh essentially you know they've they've kind of got the 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 message that they want to tell mm -hmm. and they dress it up in the most favorable light so that if you're not discerning of what that narrative is, uh, you may be led to believe it. And right. that of course is the essential, uh, truth of all religious books. If right. you buy into the narrative of a religious book, which tells a story and offers no evidence in support of it, um, then you may be lulled into it. And certainly billions and billions and billions of people over time have. Mm. I'll, I'll throw that one too. So Bible notorious for not having any good female characters for the ones who think they do. If you, if you break down their stories, they're all fairly terrible in terms of like female representation and agency of the women who are the main figures of that story. But if you were to look at movies, a lot of movies are written by guys as particularly Disney movies. Now I'm not saying that's, necessarily a bad thing but it does overlook a lot of 
potential that the story could have had if it had more influence. And case in point, the Disney princesses, or more more importantly, the the idea of a prince charming who can just come in the third act and not and and basically marry the the female character, and that solves basically all the problems. It sort of continues to perpetuate this idea that women, whatever problem you have, whether it's wanting to walk on land and and, <laughs> and live life or leave your tribe that you were born into or become, I don't know, like a, some sort of like queen where you can have all your answers solved and no longer be a maid. All you got to do is marry a man. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Find yeah. a nice yeah. Prince Charming for yourself and figure that out. Whether you're yeah. like being raised by seven doors or anything else, it's like marry a man. It solves all your problems. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, and it's funny you should say that I was just uh, listening to um, a podcast, uh, Origins podcast, who hosted by Lawrence Krauss mm. with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And oh, nice. it goes back into the origins of, of Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he re- recalled, uh, you know, in school, how boys and girls were pigeonholed by a questionnaire uh, where they were asked, you know, what kind of careers would you be interested in? And, you know, of course, boys, the typical things would be like firemen, policemen, um, you know, some of these very, you know, common vocations for aspiring young young boys. And for uh, women, it was um, mother, homemaker, mm, hairdresser, nurse. waitress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Waitress. <laughs> I've got a career. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the stigma I, I, that comes with it. We'll go for I it. just, I was gonna, I was, something occurred to me, um, and that is that narratives and evidence address two forms of questions, right? Okay. So a narrative answers what if questions, and evidence answers why does questions. Oh, why? interesting. You know what I mean? I can see that. I can see some nuance in there. I like that. I like that. Uh, Larry, I'm going to throw this out at you. The idea that movies can sometimes wrap up bad messages with really great production values. Do you have examples of something like that happening from your record? Maybe if you'd given me that at the beginning of the show. Hey, you got <laughs> and it. Ask me now. No. Um, Welcome to the hot seat, Larry. Bad message. Well, I think that you you nailed it with the Disney movies, but. Um, <clears throat> It's just, uh, it's hard to think of any right off the spot. Uh, you might Normally what I get is yourself. like, Go ahead. I get those weird sports movies where it's like the guy, mm-hmm. the coach is, he, he believes in God. He's a nice guy. And he talks to his pastor and just like, listen, I'm just some underdog coach. And the other teams, they have this huge budget and this big program. I'm just a God fearing man. What can I do mm-hmm. with just me, my gumption and this group of misfit kids It's like, all you got to do kids is follow me to church and pray yeah. with me and you will win yeah. that touchdown. You'll get that score point. You yeah. can do the sports ball thing. And they all yeah. pray in the last inning yeah. and they get it. And they're like, yeah, we did it. It's like, it great. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. The last three remind. minutes is all in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> Running across the finish line. And, and like, yeah. as a kid, you watch that and you're like, oh, okay, well, I, I like that movie because there was a bunch of, you know, really nice music and songs. But as an adult, you watch it, particularly as an atheist, you're like, wow, this is just pre- proselytism in, yeah. Oh, yeah. in Mighty Ducks, basically, yeah. or yeah. something like that. And there was a uh, movie when I was growing up uh, called uh, The Cross and the Switchblade. Yes, Cross and yeah. the Switchblade. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you were thinking of? Yeah. No, I, I was thinking of another one that's actually currently in production. Mm-hmm. 
Um, As I I might have mentioned, um, I I do work uh, on set security. Mm -hmm. uh, And one of the ones, it's actually one of the largest productions of all the ones. There's like 35 productions currently uh, on the go in the lower mainland of Vancouver. Um, And the biggest production with the biggest budget is one called The Scriptures. And it's uh, and it's a series being uh, produced and filmed right now. So, okay, I'll tell you I'll tell you two other things too that I, I, I that I like. Could, wait, could, first, could you tell me what the cross and switchblade is? Because I don't know what that is all about. Oh, it was what Pat Boone. I think it was a priest, and uh, he went into the slums of New York City and and uh, you know, converted people, mainly the gang members that were there, and brought okay. them to Christ. Yeah, we have a Hispanic version of that down here in Texas called Out Crying Barrio, but it's essentially it's the same story told about Mexican Americans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a church that does live productions every Easter of the resurrection of or and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, mm. but they they flanderize it by making parodies of local of the most popular movies that had come out so there's a marvel cinematic universe version of the crucifix of jesus christ except this time it's iron man and it's like loki's the one that stabs him in the chest and then there's and then they make songs (laughs) about it and it's like them and it's very highly produced they have multiple camera angles it takes place in a mega church so like there's a full crowd of people singing there's lights there's costumes and all that stuff They'll do a Lord of the Rings version of the crucifix the next year. They'll do a Twilight version of the Lord. Of the, uh, they'll do a Star Trek version, a James Bond movie. And they release their videos online to great appeal. Of course, they sell them too. But in my head, it's the sort of thing where it's like you're wrapping up a fun production or you have like this sugar-coated fun production around what is essentially uh, a man sacrificing himself and really his own son for to make up for rules that he made up in the first place mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he's unwilling to forgive people without right. a human sacrifice. And you're just like, why do we, how did we normalize right. that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's yeah. It's, it's a, uh, M&M coating inside over a Skittle. Basically. You're just like, what? No, no, no. It's a Skittle with an M on it. Um, all right. Joe sky putting you on the same hot seat. Did you have examples of movies with bad, messages but good productions um well any movie that promotes belief in an afterlife i think could go into that category sure. uh probably one of the most sensational movies i ever saw like that was poltergeist Ooh. it was a very engaging story it was a good ghost story but it promoted one it promoted that belief in the afterlife and two, it tried to ascribe a moral meaning. And I think that it detracted from the movie as a whole by trying to give it a moral that you don't desecrate the dead. Right. Right. The dead are dead. Yeah. And, and more power to them. <laughs> that are i feel like there are also sci-fi movies that obscure science or don't do any favors oh, huge explaining oh, yeah. complex scientific terms or simplify them to the point where that becomes the new mainstream way of explaining 
what is truly a much more complex idea. And you've actually only muddled the waters even more so than what religion could have done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. W- one of the things I hate when I was watching a movie, and I think it's a nice hybrid of the two in terms of religious selling and obfuscation of science is contact obfuscation contact with Jodie Foster. Is that who was in there? Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that movie and I was like, everyone I know loves this movie. I'm going to watch this movie. And there's like scenes in the movie where she's like, Hey, I got contacted by like this, you know, uh, interstellar species that gave us instructions I think we should build this thing. And then she's bringing this up in Senate and the Senate's like, well, tell me before you send yourselves out, how do you feel religiously? And I'm like, yeah. the lady's like, no, I don't have, I don't know how that applies to anything. It's like, you got to believe in God. I'm just like, why is this a message in the story? I thought it was a uh, idea of like, Oh, the Senate is so politically and religiously based that they want her to be religious. But like, that the movie's going to play that off as like, no, obviously I wouldn't need that. You can build this with entirely secular minded ideals, but the movie was flipped that on its well, head. It's like, no, she has to have a religious experience. That's the whole idea of the contact in the first place. I'm just like, what? No. I think Carl Sagan just wanted to interject this uh, yeah. combat between science and religion into absolutely. the story so that he could address it. Yeah. And, and I absolutely agree with you, Larry. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, I disagree with you, Ty. It wasn't uh, it wasn't to, you know, suggest that she ought to have a religious uh, or be an ambassador for the people of Earth who believe in religion. And that was a, a pretty poignant point that I thought was uh, very good of Carl Sagan to have included in that story because he could have done without it. Yeah. Um, but the story, I thought, was actually made better by the fact that that was uh, the reason he uh, she was overlooked in favor of the, the first guy who got killed. And, you know, subsequently there was the second machine and she got to go. So I, I actually thought that the inclusion of that was actually pretty yeah. quick. But I, I would throw yeah. this out as, <clears throat> as a Christian who watched that the first time, I saw that as a good thing that she didn't get the role and that the guy who was a Christian did. So yeah. I, I think, but she, the movie, but she went out in the end, right? That's 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 where the was, turnaround came. But then there was this other thing where she meets her dead dad, and she's like talking to like this figure who died, who and it's like, is that a soul experience? And I'm like, what did this have to do with the science? Right? Like no. I was sold as a Christian a science movie, I, and we can we can debate the merits of uh, <laughs> for sure. But I was just like, I was sold a science movie, but yeah. got caught in the quagmire of religion and as a christian i didn't really complain too much but i was like oh but i wanted a sci-fi experience and instead i watched what was it primer instead and got like ah there's my itch scratched i got a i got a science movie and i and i saw a science movie and that's all i wanted but (laughs) i i got sold politics yeah but you're a scientist that's that's the difference (laughs) between cosmos and contact Mm, one's a mm. science-based information show which was had really great production excellent, values excellent and the yeah. other one was this was a narrative i'd say this if anyone built a machine right there's zero guarantee and larry maybe you might support me on this uh, that you will you will meet your dead dad at the end of an intergalactic tunnel and have a conversation with him about like how awesome life is well, in the afterlife. The, I mean, I it's just like, what are you doing? Plain in the movie that they took the concept of her dad uh, from her mind and, and presented yes. themselves in that venue so that she yeah. would m- more relate to them. 
and, and actually this was this, yeah and this was actually explained by androyan who was his uh, carl sagan's wife uh-huh. um is that carl did not uh-huh. purposely did not want to show the aliens because we anthropomorphize right. our mm-hmm. ideas of what aliens may look like. Just watch any Star Trek episode. Right. Everything's yeah. bipedal, two eyes, a nose, a mouth, but they got bumps and lumps and places and, on their and heads. Breathe and breathe oxygen and eat right? the same things we do. Yeah. yeah. And that's English. and that's why, and that's why Carl uh, said he didn't want to show the aliens. Right. Um, and that's why the uh, the father thing came in. Okay. Very, very cool. Uh, there was also a movie that Will Smith was in. Uh, that was about the nature of CET or uh, concussions that football players get when they uh, run into a number of head injuries during um, a game of football. Uh, I forgot the name of the game of the of the the movie, but I do remember watching it and only getting through the first act because it sets up the the doctor that Will Smith plays as this belligerent person who's looking for things to fix in his life, and eventually runs into his pastor who's like, "Listen." If you want to fix something and you're like into the sports things, I got an idea for you. One, why don't you get a nice little lady? I got lots of ladies here that come to my congregation. You can figure this out. And then you just calm down a little bit. You're always so agitated. It's like, no, I I have this idea about brains and I think we should make better helmets. Like you're freaking out too much. Come, come to my congregation. You'll meet a lady. And I'm like, I, I like the act one structure where it's like, everyone's telling this guy to like settle down and, and his pen is is uh i guess his pastor's acting like a pimp for him basically <laughs> trying to set him up yeah. and that's the beeline story and i thought the beeline story is going to completely dismiss when he figures out that nfl is like actively trying to like dismiss this research that he's doing but instead it does both stories it's one of like him fighting for it and then two his pastor totally hooking him up with another lady <laughs> and them coming to terms with God. And then, and through his, his desire to be a better person through God, he, he lucks out and his research like takes over and like helps to like win the, the, the narrative of NFL changing. I'm just like, you had the science, just stick with the science. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't need a, you didn't need a sugarcoat it with all this other stuff around it because then when people take the science, they pick up all this extra baggage along with it. And I feel like contact had the same thing. Maybe I can, maybe, maybe we can, uh, uh, I can rewatch that movie and change my opinion on that. And I'll come back to that. But I feel like it'd be nice to just have science movies that are just science movies, yeah. because I feel like science is cool enough. I feel like science is cool enough. You could take it. Um, the so best you, science, movie, go for it. Well, I was just going to say that some of these things are superfluous, right? Like there you, uh, go. you could tell a story about the thing that happened without the superfluous notion that God had something to do with it. <laughs> sure. Or just construct your narrative to where you've made it clear that the science doesn't matter. Like you can make it like Jurassic Park one, where it's like, it's about dinosaurs. There's stuff going around and there's families and, and there's people chase, but it's about the dinosaurs. So like, just let me sit down for the dinosaurs. Or you can make it like where it's Looper, where you literally say to the camera, the, the science doesn't matter. <laughs> or like right. time, time travel is organic. It doesn't really matter. You're thinking too hard about it. I'm like, okay, great. Now I can turn my brain off and just enjoy the message of the story and, and like, and understand it as it is, but don't give me both at the same time because I, one is easier to swallow than the other. It's like, you gave me an aspirin and a ping pong ball and you're like, enjoy these two things. It's like, no, I'm going to do one or the other. Just yeah. me. Sorry for that small rant guys. Guys. You know, uh, make of the, the myth that's, promulgated in so many movies 
that you have to be in a relationship to be a complete person. Yeah, I hate that too. I really, really despise right. that. Right. I agree. I feel like it's really toxic. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that function entirely well single in my head. Mm-hmm. Or demonstrably so. Uh Larry. Really? So do we have any messages quick- from our questions from the audience? Uh, do you have any holding on to any of those over there? Jed, are you? What? Questions? Nope. No, no, um, no. I don't have anything on the live stream right now. Uh, Loma's mm-hmm. on, and uh, a couple other people who haven't identified themselves. But uh, okay, cool. Okay, so I'd say as a takeaway, messages can be given in uh, narratives, whereas evidence can support claims. Uh, know what you're dealing with, and don't substitute one for the other. And yeah. while suspension of disbelief is potentially very difficult or enjoyable if you get really good at it. Just know how to turn it on and off, right? And know when yeah. it is on and off. Like, well, and recognize that that's what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Right. And don't accept- awareness of that you're suspending your disbelief. Right. That's right. critical because if you don't, then you're conflating evidence with narrative and, and that's where the problem comes in. And even got- though somebody's telling you a very engaging and well done story, doesn't mean that the components of the story actually exist. Right. Um, you and- know, um, go ahead. There's a really great idea of like getting the message out. There's a good student indie film about Christians who invent a time machine. They go back in time and they see not the events of the Bible, but the people writing the stories of right. the Bible mm-hmm. in a council. They, they, I think it's council in Geneva or something like that, or Genea. And it's literally just people writing the story there. And they're like, well, where's the thing happening? It's like, it's just the people in the room writing it down. Yeah, and they're like, oh, yeah. no, yeah. this is all foolery and they you're you're talking about the council of nicaea there it is Nicaea. go to that time and they just watch these people argue like what let's put this story in nah that one's too lame okay what about this one i pulled it from this group of people it's like yeah sure we'll put that in that's fine it's just politics at the end of the day and then at that point they destroy the time machine so that nobody knows that that is actually how it was put together but that's the message of the story isn't so much like that 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 happened it's that people when faced typically with things that they don't want to have to be the truth or the hard questions may cover it up. And that's also part of our human condition too. And it was a terrifying, yeah. like horrifying awakening moment when yeah. I was watching that movie. Right. Anyway, well, people have no problems thinking that if the if preachers today were to write some kind of supernatural story, that it would just be a story, but they don't project that into the past and say the preachers did that in the past as well. Right. They write right. these supernatural stories and pass them down generation to generation through a lot of superstitious people to get to us. Yep. And we accept them as real. Mm. Go on, Dred. I was, I was going to say, you know, I've heard this said, I've heard this said many times is that um, if anyone in current times wrote a story where the principal actor was like Jesus in the Bible, nobody would buy the book. It would be boring. There's Mm -hmm. no arc. There's no story arc. Mm -hmm. It's completely an uninteresting character because he never changes. Let's do. Uh, I love that point. It's true. Perfect. Yeah, from the Jesus from the get go. <laughs> and that's why I don't like Doctor Strange, by the way, because he has a Jesus complex. We even have uh, a term for it. We don't even like it. But uh, Dread, yeah. do you have any final words on today's show? And well, uh, I'll, I'll just plug my channel. I uh, I have my channel Mind Pirate, which is on uh, YouTube. M I N D P Y R A T E. Check it out if you like it. Subscribe and help me build it up. Nice. 
Cool. Uh, Joe Sky, anything you'd like to plug in any final words? Uh, yeah, I have the Nullifidian Chronicles page on Facebook. And today's post is already up because I got up early. On Sundays, we do Go Home Bible, You're Drunk. And it's just Bible contradictions and impossibilities. Nice. And what's uh, the name of that Facebook page? Uh, yeah, I, ha- I have a Facebook page and I write about I write about all kinds of things. I try to make them atheist relevant, but yeah, he was asking for the name of it. Yeah. The, the name of the page. The Nullifidian Chronicles. That's easy to say. Nullifidian. Yeah, at least it's an easy to find <clears throat> Facebook group. It's a fancy book for atheist. <laughs> okay. okay. I'll my final words is I'll admit I'm wrong on a bunch of stuff, but I did not like contact the movie, but I will rewatch it again to get the narrative <laughs> settled out. Cause you know, I did watch that as a Christian. I'll watch it again as an atheist and see if I appreciate it more. Yeah. 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 A lot of movies I should do that. It's, it's surprising, you know, how that changes yes. and I'll yeah. appreciate narratives with different mindsets. I'll apply mm-hmm. what we were talking about in the show today. Right. You can find myself at less chat, Larry. Oh, my contact can be found at digitalfreethought.com. Be sure to go there and click on the blog button for our radio show archives, atheist songs, and many articles on the subject. My YouTube channel can be found by searching for Doubter 5 or Digital Freethought Radio. And you can find my book, Atheism, What's It All About, on Amazon uh, in paperback or um, audio not audio, uh, digital. If you have any questions for the show, you can send them to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org or letschatse at gmail.com, and we'll answer them on future shows. If you're having trouble leaving religious beliefs behind and need some help, uh, you can get help at recoveringfromreligion.org. Uh, remember, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Enjoy your life, and we'll see you next week. Say bye, everybody. Bye. 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 bye.